This is the Horse Radio Network. Greetings, everyone. Coach Jen from Horse Radio Network here. This is episode 488 of the Dressage Radio Show. Reese and Philip are taking a much-deserved break this week, so sit back and enjoy this classic revisit from the past, where Reese and Philip invite listeners onto the show to talk about their training issues in the sport of dressage. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with our producer, Glenn. He's hey. on with us tonight. Hey He's got guys. some stuff going on. Yeah, thank you Hi. so much uh, for letting me come on here and talk about a couple of cool things. Uh, we, and I'm so excited to that you're starting this special episode every month. <laughs> we are, too. Kind of a good this idea. We were, getting, we were getting a bunch of questions and stuff, and we're like, how are we going to get to all of these? So we're, well, we're just going to bring the, the yeah. listeners and the auditors on. Yeah, yeah. so we're going to have listeners with us. Cool. Once a month, you're going to do this, right? You'll answer questions, and we'll have the listeners actually come on to ask their own questions. We love it. That's so cool. Well, and if you have questions, you can send them to uh, Reese at horseradionetwork.com or Philip with one L at horseradionetwork.com, and they'll add them <laughs> to the queue and or put them on our Facebook page at Dressage Radio Show, either one. We'll we'll get them here, and we have uh, we have a bunch of them to tackle tonight. But before we do that, it's also time for the listeners to show off, and this also includes the hosts. It's one game the hosts can actually play in, <laughs> and I have not received oh, no. any submissions oh, okay. from Reese or Philip yet. So that's why Shocking. I'm on here is to embarrass them in front of everybody. Shame us, yes. Shame us. So I'm shaming you into this. So it is the first annual Equestrians Have Talent competition going on on the Horse Radio Network. And as of today, I'm very excited to announce that HorseNation.com is also a part of it. And Kristen over there, who's a big listener of ours, is uh, is the editor over at Horse Nation. She's going to be co-hosting the episodes with me. So in conjunction with Horse Nation, we're doing Equestrians Have Talent. And what that is, is you send in an audio file of doing anything that you think is a talent. We don't care what it is. It can be singing. It can be playing an instrument. It can be reading the phone book at a full gallop on your horse. It can be screaming out loud when you're doing piaffs and passages. And then we hear the thud. Whatever it is that's entertaining <laughs> for us. We don't care what how it affects you. We just care that it's entertaining for us. So, And it can be bad. Bad is good because what's going to happen is we're going – this is where you guys come in. Bad is good. So what that means is you're going to be voted on by the listeners. At the end of each episode, we're going to play 10 or 12 of these at each episode, over three episodes. And then each episode, the listeners are going to pick the winner. So if you're so bad, you're funny, you're liable to get picked, right? <laughs> so so don't be embarrassed. Just be silly. Do whatever. And then, uh, and then submit them. And you can find out how to do that at horseradionetwork.com slash talent. Now, you have until the 28th of August to do this. That's a little cutoff date. 28th of August, and all the instructions of where to send them and everything. Record it on your phone, send it in. We have a voicemail line. You can do that. Every phone has a recorder now, and you can just email it to us. So we want you to think outside the box. Get silly. You know, if, you, if you've if you always wanted to be a race caller, find something silly to do a race call about. 
Um, you know, or write a write write something up about recent Philip. That's even better. Do a poem oh, about recent Philip. Oh you know, throwing him under the bus. Whatever gets votes. That's what counts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'll vote uh, for you. Yeah. yeah, we will totally vote for you. <laughs> but that's what we're looking for it. is something fun. And it's it, what you're going to win. Mm. You're going to win the bragging rights of saying you're the first Equestrians Have Talent champion. And also, we're having a trophy made. I'm supposed to go see it tomorrow. We're having a trophy made with one of our actual mics mounted to the top. So, uh, so it should be fun. It's just oh nice. how cool. cool! I love it. I, I'm gonna have to think. I, I really don't. We need uh, entries from the hosts, and I don't care what you guys do now. Reese, this is a way to to one of the things we don't have a lot of entries on at Philip Two is group submissions. So if you get a group of your barn people together and come up with something <laughs> fun and do it together and record it, that's even better. Oh boy! Oh boy! Then you yeah, don't have to. Top. Then you yeah. can make them all do the hard work, Reese, and you don't have to do much. Yeah. See? Yeah. I don't know, guys. You don't don't want to hear this bod sing. I'm just saying. Well, then come up with something else clever, you know? Oh, boy. You know, you you could contribute to the Piaf and Passage and then the thud. Yes, and the thud. I don't want (laughs) to. True that, buddy. Okay, I'm not encouraging anybody (laughs) to get hurt. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm like, "Ah." (laughs) So, well, it sounds so exciting, and I really can't wait to hear what everybody's going to do. This is really fun. Well, you heard him at Radiothon. I mean, we have some talented listeners. Oh, my gosh. We have some really yeah, talented. That's what I'm. That's that the bar amazing. has been set high. Like I'm like, oh, I, I really can't. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. <laughs> or have well, your pets that's, do that's it? That's one of the other things. We're getting submissions where their dogs are singing, or oh. or they're having their horses, and some of them have got creative and spliced them together, uh, and and made a sound file. So you know, you can have your pets contribute too. If you have a rooster <laughs> that sings to music, whatever it is, we don't oh, care. Cool, awesome. <laughs> yeah, we don't. That care. is so cool. Glenn. I love fun. it. August twenty eighth, right? Is when they have to yep. be in. So. Yep. Cool. Oh, I love right. it. Boy, I, I don't know if you guys have been following we'll along, but we have to give a shout out to one of yes. our one of our our hosts over on the Horse uh, Radio Network, Horses in the Morning Show. Leslie comes on every Monday with us from from Horse Nation and Eventing Nation, and she's been doing that for five six years, and she's been on three hundred fifty episodes on the Horse Radio Network. And I made this. I made the mistake one day of saying to Leslie, Leslie, you ought to do the Mongol Derby. That looks like fun. It's only a thousand kilometers riding crazy ponies across Mongolia. And she called me the next week and said, I sent in my application. And then when I got up off the floor, (laughs) I I said, you did? And she said, yep, I did. I'm going to go do it. Well, she just... Finished the Mongol Derby. That's so cool. Six hundred and fifty miles across Mongolia. They switched horses twenty-five times. Wow. Uh, She had quite an adventure too, because the second day in she was winning. She was in the lead, and her pony decided to I we don't know the exact story yet, but her pony got lost, I mean, from her. Like they got (gasps) separated, and the pony left town with all of her stuff. (gasps) Saddle stirrups her kit everything her clothes her everything so she could not find the pony she walked around for hours now this is mongolia it's pretty wide open you saw the pictures it's nothing it's just wide open for thousands of miles there's nothing there's nothing Nothing. there yeah there's nothing there (laughs) so they had to she went back to the to the place where you pick up your ponies the stations and they gave her a new pony but she had nothing they actually fashioned the stirrups she 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 had nothing to use for stirrups at that point because 
There was nothing. So they gave, they found a saddle, an extra saddle lying around. They gave her a saddle, but there was no stirrup. She rode 25 kilometers to the next station, stirrupless at a gallop. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, this would wow. not be my talent. That's yes. badass. I'm out. I'm that out. is just or... badass. What? That yeah. is really badass. She Good has instantly become a Mongol Derby legend because nobody's ever done that. No. Uh, no. Jeez. So, do that? yeah. Did they find their stuff. See, this is why No, I'm they never out. found this the horse. Camping. They never found it. No. Um, now, the, I'm sure that the owners of the horse, the you know, the locals there, the 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 shepherds and stuff, will will find it eventually. Yeah, <laughs> but, sooner or later, yeah, it'll be somewhere. Come across it, uh, but oh yeah, God. they never did find it. So she she the next station, she picked up her next horse to go another 25 kilometers, and they had a set of stirrups, but nothing to hold them on. So they took ratchet straps and they cut ratchet straps and tied them, and that's what they used to yeah. hold the stirrups on. Wow. There you go. Wow, I'm in awe. I know, it sounded like amazing. Everyone just was like, this is a Hunger Games. It is. Everyone loved it. (laughs) It was so cool. Well, shout out, girlfriend. Like, oh my gosh, I'm in total awe. Congratulations, yeah. That's huge. All 40 of them. I mean, there were some that were injured, taken to the hospital, that resumed the race after they were done at the hospital. Uh, you know, broken yeah. collar. Well, I guess you got to kind of be that kind of person if you're yes. going to sign up for something like this anyways, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. I would never, never do that. I don't wow. have that That's much a- adventure in my blood. No, no, I don't <laughs> camp, let alone camp in my home <laughs> yet. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, they didn't change clothes for 10 days either. Uh, so. What? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out, kids. <laughs> I'm out at like, what? Yeah! Wow, that's amazing. Congratulations, that's huge. Yeah, I can't wait. So. I get, I want to listen to all the stories. Yeah, she's going to be like on a special fantastic. episode. We're devoting an entire episode to her of horses oh. in the morning, and we're just going to have her tell her story. And she's a we fun storyteller. We actually won an award on horses in the morning for the best podcast in 2016 uh, for the best pod- equestrian podcast because of the one of the days she came on to tell a story. She was on that day. So oh, that's so the cool. one we won an award for. So we can't, we'll win another Fantastic. award this year. Win yeah. another award. Oh, well, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. Well done, that's everybody. Awesome. Well done. Well, uh, well, we have an exciting new show got coming today. We've got, we had tons of listener questions and we are going to do this once a month for a little bit and see how it goes. So you can, the listeners are going to come on the show and we're going to chat with them about their specific questions. So our first guest is Avery and I hope you enjoy our discussion discussion with her. Well, today on our listener question show, we have Avery Morgan on the show. Welcome, Avery. Hi, Reese and Philip. Thanks for having me. We are so happy to have you on, Avery. You're our first listener that's called in with the question. So drum Woo, roll, please. Yeah, we're really excited. So talk to us about what's your question for Phil and I? Well, so I have a Tiger Mustang. Um, and we've been competing at second level and um, schooling at third level, hoping to move up to third level next summer or next spring when season starts over again. But we have an issue with our transitions from free walk to either collected or medium walk. And what she does is as soon as I start to kind of gather her back up, she'll root down with the reins and she's even yanked them out of my hands a few times. And then when I do get her collected up into that medium or collected walk, she wants to overbend and suck back behind the behind the bit a little bit. Um, so I'm not sure how to get her moving forward into the contact without ripping the reins out of my hands. 
All right. Well, this is a pretty common thing. First of all, I want to say thank you for calling in. And, and I think people will be really uh, happy to listen to these problems because, you know, we all have kind of the same issues or very similar issues. So um, yeah. it's great when people will volunteer and bring, you know, bring the, the ideas to our show and then we can kind of try and tackle them and, and help people. So the rooting of the reins, you know, again, a common, common issue. I think what I try and do when I have a horse that does this is um, to make the horse halt every time that they try. So there's kind of two major problems that happen when picking up the reins. Either the horses jog off or they just get a little bit rude about the contact. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, very methodically, very consistently, if something happens that I don't like, I'm going to halt the horse. And then I'm going to gather up the reins, and then I'm going to just strike off my my uh, working walk or medium walk or what or collected walk, how, however it happens in whichever test that you're doing. Okay. And, uh, and that sort of helps to um, organize the horse a little bit, organize the riding a little bit, and uh, and to get get you on the right track. And then you've got to maybe experiment with some ways of picking up the reins that doesn't um, you know cause the horse to be rude like this. Some horses like like you to kind of quickly gra- gra- gather up the reins and have them on contact right, uh, right away. Other horses, you have to gradually do it over a few more strides. Um, again, it's just, you know, when I'm teaching, I just try and figure out the horse a little bit and then figure out what is the best way to not cause them to want to root the reins so that I don't have to make the halt every time. Does that make a little bit of sense about that? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, and I'll just, yeah, yeah, I'll kind of throw my two cents in. This is, it, you know, this is a common problem. And, and one of the things I always see in the free walk, and I am as guilty as anyone else. So I'm not saying, and I know Phil is too, because we talk about it. Um, you know, every time we go to walk, every time, or a lot of times, we like drop the reins and everyone's like, oh, there's a level of relaxation that happens. I mean, we do it. It's like 100 degrees mm-hmm. here. So of course, when you're finished trotting, you're like, oh, God. But well, one of the things you have to remember when you're schooling the walk and you're and this goes to the rooting and all of that is just the discipline that you are still training your horse. Does that make sense? So yeah. I think a, a lot of times, like I see riders just like, and they'll drop the reins and they'll slump or they're, they'll not pay attention and not really think about that walk being a double score. So I think a mm-hmm. lot of the problems that you're talking about probably have started there and have obviously become a little bit bigger issue. But that's the one thing that I like to caution people about the walk. First of all, it's a double score. Please, please, please ride it and pay attention. So when you go from your trot set, let's say, and you're going to take your walk break and go to your canter set, uh, make sure that you're paying attention that you are riding the walk that like you would in the test every time. Because I guarantee most of us are like, uh, we're, we're shamed into into walking better. So that's the first thing that I always pay attention to. The second thing that I pay attention to is uh, making sure as I pick up the reins, again, that every time I pick up the reins, I'm very methodical about what I'm doing. And then I'm yielding the horse to the outside rein as I do that. I think that's super mm-hmm. important. Okay. You know what I mean? Because we pick up the reins. Typically, riders will pick it up straight back to their stomach. They won't yield yeah. the horse as they pick them up. So sometimes as I'm I'm practicing the walk, I'll have an extended walk and then I'll do like a 10 meter circle, for example, and I will pick the horse up as I'm walking the 10 meter circle and I'm yielding them to the outside rein. And then for me, if the horse roots at that point, just like Phil said, I just stop and say, no, 
I may even give him a little kick or tap him with the whip. Like that is actually not at all acceptable. So okay. I, I'm trying yeah, to break, break the, it up a little bit and, yes. and make sure the horse understands that that's not acceptable. That's not okay. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, without being crazy disciplinary about it, you have to just at right. least give a message. Like we don't want to continue this habit, you know, and because it's become a bit of a habit, it will take a long time to fix. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That How does, makes, that, does that help? Like that. Yeah. And I like that leg yielding because I do, I tend to, I am guilty of, of just kind of not riding the walk. And, yeah. And then, but I like that leg kind of pushing to the outside rein. I, I think that's because mm-hmm. I do tend to come straight back. And Everybody does. <laughs> like you yeah. and yeah, probably. Yeah, the horse doesn't 90%. like it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Kind of straight so, back. You don't do that very often. And then yes. because you're tra- transitioning towards third level, in third level, it's um, extended walk. So you have to have you have to kind of develop towards a little bit more contact. That it's not necessarily mm-hmm. just a loose rein free walk anymore. Now the horse has to be more engaged, more on the contact, more kind of on the bit and through the back. So I think just using that idea already will help you develop mm-hmm. a better connection. And then and then you're not losing the connection in your free walk and trying to get it back as you pick up the horse. That's that's really tough. So um, if you think about just letting the horse stretch onto the bit a little bit in the extended walk, then you maybe will help solve that issue already, you know, in developing um, just a, a better way of walking and a better way of stretching. Sure. Yeah. I can definitely see that, you know, maintaining a, a little contact throughout that walk would. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Would then, then it's not all or nothing. Then it's not yeah. like, Oh, I have contact <laughs> now there's nothing. And now I want it back again. Right. Because that could be a tough transition for the horse. As well, you mm-hmm. know, just like, oh, there's no feeling on the bit, and now you want feeling. And the horse gets just a little discombobulated or, you know, just, just wants to show you, you that doesn't like that, right? right? So you have to kind of respond yeah, to that. Sure. And, and just it's, It just takes a long time to develop. And really taking even half an hour out of your ride to say, well, yes, the trot's important and the canter's important, but so, so is the walk. And because, yeah. like we said, it's double score, you know, it's got to be worked on. It's very important. Sure. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Well, it's if you think about it, you know, it's it, we have we have three gates, and I guarantee most of us work on two a lot every day. But <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that I learned when I was in Germany, um, Mr. Schumacher called it uh, greasing the joints. So we would do a minimum of twenty minutes of walk every day before we would do anything. So the horses, you know, would come out of the stable and there wasn't as much turnout and that type of thing. So they needed it to loosen up. But his point, and when I was a youngster was, you know, if you can't get in the walk, you can't get in the trot or it's going to, it's going to eventually show up in the trot if it's showing up Mm -hmm. in the walk. So it's a really good time to just say, okay, we're going to really, really focus on this. And you can make horse sweat in the walk. I, especially here in Kentucky when it's 95 and (laughs) 98.5% humidity, everybody's sweating in the walk, but, but, you know, when it's really hot, that's one of the things, actually, we did a lot of walk today because it's quite hot today here. Um, And Mm -hmm. so that's one of the things, again, you know, you should be able to half pass and ride your turn on the haunches and all of those things. Um, But for your rooting, you know, I think that's just something I'm, I'm with you. You should address it and just be a little bit more disciplined about um, how you pick it up and, and try to nip that in the bud now. So. Yeah, and I think if you if you fix that kind of idea, then you're we're getting to your second question right away here about the horse being a little hollow in the walk in in general. Mm-hmm. You know, these are these are two sides of the same coin. You know, rooting the reins or just trying to find a place 
behind the bit a little bit to mm-hmm. to stick so that so that the walk doesn't have to come through the entire body and get really swingy and good rhythm. So um yielding yeah, is know, your just, friend. Just through transitions, you know, and some lateral work you can work on it and fix it. And I think I think, you know, not right away, but over some months it'll get better and you'll have it you'll have it nipped in the bud. Wonderful. Yeah, that sounds I think I can see how that's related for sure. She's not wanting to come onto the contact the walk so she tries one and then when that doesn't work she tries the second one yeah, figure out the, mm-hmm. the opposite, yeah. <laughs> opposite way to, to get away from it so yeah yep. exactly yeah. well avery good luck thanks so much for being our first caller on this new format we're really excited to have you and uh keep us up to date we want to hear how it is in a couple weeks wonderful well thank you guys so much for answering my questions and i'm excited to go try this honor This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Researchers have confirmed that as horses age, they naturally become less sensitive to insulin and more susceptible to health problems caused by too much sugar in the diet. One way to reduce the sugar content in a horse's diet is to replace sugar-laden grains with a high-fat supplement. Fat is an extraordinary energy source. It is readily utilized by the horse and contains more than two times the calories of sugary grains. Equijule Stabilized Rice Bran is an excellent fat supplement. It contains a balanced calcium-to-phosphorus ratio and won't cause mineral imbalances when added to the diet. Its all-natural ingredients are high in healthy fat and fiber. Best of all, Equijule allows owners to easily replace the calories previously supplied by sugary grains. When you need to add healthy calories to your horse's diet, choose Equijule. To learn more, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, our next question on our listeners' question day is from one of our auditors, Shane. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, you have a great question. We'll let you lead it off. Okay. It's kind of a long and involved one, but I'll try to keep it as short as I can. Um, But my question is basically about my seat and specifically about the relationship between lower back, pelvis, and core to um, the rider's seat and weight and how they use it. So I know that this is crucial. Um, I'm sort of right about a second level rider aiming for third. And um, when I first started learning dressage, I read a lot of books um, and specifically as well as working with trainers, but specifically I read one um, by uh, Crosley where he was talking about the importance of keeping the pelvis forward and absorbing the movement of the horse in the lower back, which made a lot of sense to me. And I think that was kind of fundamental in how I started riding. Um, I'm working with a new trainer this year, and one of the first things that she said to me is like, whoa, your pelvis is tilted too forward. It actually should be back so that the level of the front of your belt is higher than um, the level of your belt in the back and that your core is engaged all the time, um, which also makes sense to me and which seems to help my sitting trot a lot. Um, and obviously both riders had success with either pelvis forward or pelvis back. Um, but I wasn't sure which was the most correct. And, um, 
I wondered if you guys had advice on one, finding the best position um, for yourself as a rider. Um, if you had thoughts on the relationship between the lower back, the core and the pelvis, and then also maybe um, if you had exercises to help riders um, find the best seat to influence their horse. Okay. This is a, this is a good one and, and a tricky one in some ways, in some ways, I think relatively straightforward, but one of the things I would say is, you know, there's, there's lots of ways to climb the mountain. <laughs> That's what mm-hmm. I like to say. There's several different schools of thought on seat position, how to train a horse. You know, the German style does it differently than the French style that does it differently than the Spanish style. And I would say the Dutch, you know, everybody has sort of their own style of riding. And in America, I think we are getting our own style, you know, certainly changing over time. A lot of us have trained overseas and are now trained in America and trained with American trainers. So, I would say the first thing is whatever you do with it, if it's reading, if it's training, if it's going to clinics, I feel like you should stay in sort of the same school of thought because I think, especially as you're developing your writing style, because mm-hmm. I think that you can read several books and, and I, I have, you know, I think a pretty expansive library. I also like to have books and some of my students are great readers and they want to read it. Some of them want to feel it. Some of them want to see it, you know, so people learn differently. So I think having access to a library is really important. Um, but what I would say is it gets confusing quickly. If you start, you know, you pull a book out and it's a French style and you're training with someone who's a German style that can get that can be very confusing very quickly. Um, so I think that's the first thing you have to think about is, okay, am I going to a clinic that's a similar style? Am I working with a trainer that's a similar style of the book that I'm reading or how, does that make sense? Am I articulating that mm-hmm. correctly? Cause you can absolutely read multiple different books and the books are saying multiple different things, but it doesn't mean that you're wrong or they're wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's their system. And it works for them and it works for their body style. Um, I think a lot of people, it's coming out, you know, uh, dressage is done, no offense, Phil, by a lot of women. So Phil's beaten down by a lot of women, so he has to do it. But, you know, (laughs) men ride differently than women. Men have different, uh, you know, bodies than women do. So, you know, uh, I'm a relatively tall person. So, you know, if I'm riding with someone that's not similar height or similar strength, or maybe way stronger or way weaker, you have to adjust a little bit to that. And I think as you get more and more advanced in your knowledge and understanding the theory of dressage, because there is such huge amounts of theory in this business, which, you know, Philip and I can sit around with with a bourbon and talk dressage theory all day long. It's like something that totally, I love it. You know, we can talk about this, uh-huh. or we're doing this with this horse, or we're doing that with this horse. And you pull some information from here, maybe from here, because every horse is different too. Every horse has different conformation. Every horse has different hind legs. Every horse has a different shoulder, maybe this one, you know, you can go on and on. So I always tell people, it's not that the books are wrong, or it's not maybe that your trainer is wrong. Uh, especially if your trainer has credentials. I always do like right, to say right. that, like, you know, yeah. certified or trained with someone or something, not just sort of somebody that's come out of the blue. Um, right. No, she's that, good. I trust her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, no, I didn't mean it that way. It's just, you know, there's a no, lot I of people. Just, I, I thought I'd better qualify. Too. Yeah, it's good. So, right. so that's the thing. And so what she's saying isn't necessarily wrong to what the books are saying. You're just coming out of it mm-hmm. from a different angle. 
So that's kind of my feeling on sort of the book versus the trainer. And, you know, I think that that can get really, really um, tricky really quickly. So um, in like Phil and I, sometimes we'll, we'll intentionally go to a clinic of somebody that's completely out of the box from where we are. I did that a couple of times in Florida um, where mm-hmm. I went to a trainer that completely out of the box of where I had trained. And so I thought, well, you know what? I took a particular horse that I was having some issues with. And I thought, "Ah, maybe the way that this horse, you know, maybe the way they want me to sit is going to help this particular horse. And my, the owner of the horse, you know, she loved the analogies that this person gave and, and, you know, it was a really positive experience and, and definitely a different way to think about for, for me. So, but I went into that experience knowing, Hey, this is something different for me. I'm going to go in and sort of keep my options open, listen to what they're saying. Um, so that's my take on that. Phil, do you want to jump in this conversation at all? Yeah, I think just um, just to add to what you're saying, uh, you know, um, normally when when I'm taking a clinic, like you have the person with the knowledge right there, standing there, and you can discuss something a little bit from a book, and that you know they can, you know, there's some illustrations or some things, but then you know when you try and do it, and maybe you have a mirror or whatever, you say, oh, that looks like the picture, but you don't have the person there to right. say, no, that's too far, or that's not really what I meant, or you know, like a, a way to explain that. You're doing something right, but maybe something else is not right. So that's that's my only thing about you know um, uh, you know books and and you know just taking something from the internet or or whatever. It's just always helpful, you know, to have the person there to say you know I meant to tilt your pelvis back, but not that far. You know, I find myself telling right, telling right. people that all the time. Like, yeah, that's more correct, but not exactly correct, right? You need you know especially with position things. It's a little bit like you know and and sometimes. Um, you have to change your position depending on what horse you're riding. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that sometimes yeah. I have a horse that that is very sensitive into my seat or my back, so I can't use it as strong as I would mm-hmm. with this other horse. Mm-hmm. Or you know, like so that's also like it's it's all ideas and techniques and training. But I think some people get a little bit too much in like like you said, this is right, this is wrong. I, like I'm more with Reese. Like all ideas are great, and if it works for you and it works for your horse, that's great. If you want to come to me for a lesson, I might introduce a new idea that maybe yeah. you could take with you in your training, or you could say that doesn't work for me, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I'm not personally insulted by that kind of Mm-mm. situation um, because I've been there too. I, I try to really get lots of education, like we said, from all all different facets and, and you know, and tr- trying to understand the best I can the information that I'm getting, like to clarify, to you know, to talk in my lessons and to discuss things or wait till the end of the lesson and say, you know what, we were talking about this. I'm, I'm not quite clear on that. You know, can we go over that just, you know, extra? Like, I have no problem with somebody that, you know, does that to my lesson. It doesn't, you know, or wants to discuss a little extra. I'm happy to talk about it. But again, when you're getting something from a book or I plug in a videotape, there's no context. So right, then right. it become even more confusing, right? So, yeah. you know, if I, in that situation, I might pick up an idea and try it and say, "Mm, you know, I'm probably not doing it right. It's not working, you know, or try and come at it again in a different way or just to say, no, that's not going to work today. I just want to do whatever I'm doing now. Just to return to the pelvis question for me, what works and uh, is to have the pelvis slightly tilted back so that my, um, so that my spine makes a slight uh, concave towards the back of the horse um, way instead 
kind of being a little bit tilted forward and being convex because that hurts my back and I've ridden a little bit like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So here's a pretty good example of, you know, Phil and I have very similar training styles. That's why I think, Uh well, we we have differences, but we have overall, our thinking is pretty similar, but I would say I like to have a neutral spine. So I like to start sitting right over top of my seat bones. So especially on most of my horses and not being a little bit tilted back. That's me personally. That's how I teach it. I think it gets a little complicated when you start moving people's pelvises around because I think they try to and they over try. So I like to sit sort of in a neutral pelvis and then move it back or forward depending on what I need to do. Um, Right. I personally have a tendency to tilt a little forward. I learned to ride hunter jumpers and I I, I always am telling myself to sit back a little because I like to be a little tilted forward. But that's not necessarily the right thing. I would prefer to sit on top of my seat bones and engage my core when I need my core. So, you know, in the half halt. So depending on when my half halts are occurring, I think it's, and again, for me riding and for teaching, I don't want to have my core always engaged because eventually your core just can't be that engaged. You know, does that make sense? Um, right. I like well, that was actually it? a question that I had because like, like if I notice if I'm engaged all the time, the horse, Right. And that's, that's how I used to tell him, like, let's stop now without using my reins. And so he has a tendency to want to, like, I'm using stop. a lot more leg now. Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so I would, I you know, again, I want to be in balance with the horse. Um, I kind of think of it, this is what I tell my students when, when I'm talking about sort of your position. Um, I had a very brief stint of playing tennis. Um, but the one thing I learned about tennis is you always sort of want to run back to the middle line at the tennis court. So you like, you hit a forehand because the ball goes to the right. You hit a forehand, you run back to the middle. You hit a backhand, you, you know, you run over, ball goes to the left, you hit a backhand, and then you run back to the middle. So you always want to sort of go back to the middle so that you can make a choice to go left or right. So that's sort of what I tell my students is I want to always sort of be in the middle or be able to make a choice on what I want to do. So that's why I teach it that way. And that's how I like to ride. Um, so that's that's kind of my take on the pelvis. So, but I think if you're always engaged, that doesn't make sense either because the horse is always like, uh, you're always engaged, so they're always feeling that. So, that's one of the things that I like to tell people that not to do. So, that's my take on that. So, um, I really, so great. I hope, yeah, I hope that yeah, helps. I think that's helpful. Yeah, nice. Well, Shane, thank you so much for coming on our question and answer program. And thank you for being an auditor of the Horse Radio Network. We always appreciate you guys and love the conversations you have on the auditor page. So thanks so much for coming on. And we look forward to hearing how uh, things continue in the future. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. And uh, yeah, next time we'll have to get that cla- glass of bourbon going. <laughs> that a girl. Now we're t- um, I just perked my interest. My, my ears went out. What? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, I want to thank our listeners to, for coming on and giving us questions. And hopefully we'll have more people sign up to, to so we, we can call them and we can talk about their training issues and we can help fix problems because that's what we like to do. Right, Reese? That's what we like to do. <laughs> well, I want to take a break here just to talk about the Stretch Check Shoulder Relief Girth by Total Saddle Fit. You know, you guys have heard us talk about it a lot, but we really love these products and we wanted to bring attention to a few of the great things, not only the fit and comfort of it, but this girth sits right on your horse's natural girth groove while the sides are set back to attach to the billets a little further back to prevent the saddle from being pulled onto the shoulders. That's bad news when your saddle is sitting on your horse's shoulders. This even works on saddles that fit well because it simply corrects the physics of how the girth sits on the horse. 
Well, Phil, one of the things that it works really well with, too, is it's built in this triangular elastic in the center of the girth, which expands to the horse as they're breathing and creates a soft contact with their sternum. And um, I use this girth on several of my horses that are a little bit girthy, and I've had super great success with it. And um, I personally love the, the lining system. Because, um, as we know, it's been discussed, I like to spray my curse off because I get so sweaty here and gross. So what's great about this curse is you can get it in neoprene and leather. And coming soon, the wool fleece is coming. So all great for cleaning and makes it really easy. And you can purchase the liner separately because I've had to do that um, because we wore ours out and we loved it that much. So that's super easy to do. So, but if you have any more questions about the stretch tech shoulder relief girth, go to totalsaddlefit.com and Total Saddle Fits. They're also great. Justin's fantastic about answering saddle fit questions. So take a look at that and uh, we hope that helps. And Phil, we have one more Total Saddle Fit tip of the week from Jacqueline. Do you want to read it and get us started? All right, Jacqueline's got a question. She has a young thoroughbred who is quite tall, 17 hands, and he gets very heavy and wants his rider, Jacqueline, to carry him. Uh, so she sends him forward, trying to get him onto his onto the rein and moving from behind. Any good exercises for the young horses to get them off their forehand and working on their strength and self-carriage? Yeah, so we I, I <laughs> do this a lot here because I'm in Lexington, and, and we get a lot of thoroughbreds off the track here. So... Um, this is a common question, right? They actually, it's a little bit, I think, different than working a warm blood because warm bloods, you really want to get them forward. They typically, by confirmation, not always have the confirmation to be able to carry themselves from behind. The thoroughbred, especially a thoroughbred off the track, uh, they already know how to go fast. <laughs> That's what they're <laughs> they bred to do. They love to go fast. They love yeah. to go fast. That's what they've been trained to do. So essentially at that point, you're retraining that particular horse so going really forward and sending him really forward will get them strong in the hands and i always say if they're strong in the hands kind of look at what's happening from behind and the hind legs are probably in back or probably not even at this point part of the equation so for this horse and and kind of the information we're getting from the question is he actually needs to learn to slow down aka stop uh or learn about just what is a half halt so for this particular yeah rebalance right that's a momentary rebalancing step is the definition of a half halt so that would be my advice with you with this guy uh we we talked about it actually on the show in one of our other tips but i really like walk halts i know phil does too uh walk halt trot halt Canter halt may be a little too aggressive, but you know certainly as this horse gets stronger and has more understanding of how to rebalance their body, they're going to be less strong on your hands. Uh, what would you say, Phil? Yeah, I think again, good good point about the confirmation. Usually, the thoroughbreds are very muscular over their shoulders and around the front end. Uh, they're used to dragging, just kind of you know, dragging the back end along, or really just too much on the forehand in general. So. Uh, um, it's it's good retraining and um, remuscular, you know, building the right muscles. So, like you said, I think it's all about um, transitions and the horse learning to wait a little bit and learning to take their weight a little bit on the hind legs. So, I mean, in general, that's what we're trying to do with all horses that, that we're you know we're um, 
we're teaching dressage, so there, I don't think there's any exercises that are, is a terrible idea to, to get this idea across to the horse. Mm-hmm. But yeah, especially just start from scratch, right? Walk, mm-hmm. halt. And yes. what, what you try to do in, when you strike off the next gate, whether it's walk or trot, is to get a hind leg to move first, to, right. to really engage the idea of the horse pushing uh, with the back legs instead of pulling with the front legs. Um, that's hard if you're not used to that feeling to kind of learn and teach the horse at the same time. Um, you know, have a buddy spot or use the, uh, a, a mirror to kind of give you a little bit of feedback about, you know, when you add your leg, just add a little little contact, you know, not a ton, a little contact at the same time to see if you can, you know, your leg can push the hind leg under to make the first step. And if you can do that, then the next step will also probably be hopefully from the hind leg again and then continue on forward and upward and, and, and keep taking that concept with you all the way until you're doing, you know, simple changes or canter walk, canter, uh, canter halt, canter, canter walk, canter, you know, those types of things. It's just, you know, taking a simple concept and developing it over time and, and helping the horse learn and help him develop the right muscles and the right way to carry himself. Love it. So, well, we hope that helps for sure. So Jacqueline, thank you so much for your question. And uh, we love the email and Facebook shout outs. Keep them coming. And uh, we're looking forward. This was a fun kind of new idea that we have. And um, we're looking forward to doing it again next month. So uh, be ready for us to be calling you. Well, everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. The best place to find me is probably on Facebook or my email is philip with one L at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a good show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you.